rated MR for Mike Rosen. Now the reviews are in. It's Mike Rosen at the movies on KOA News Radio, 850 AM and 94.1 FM. Welcome to Mike Rosen at the Movies. I'm the show's co-host, Christian Toto. And Mike is not here this week. He's finishing up his extravaganza cruise. It does takes it once a year with some of his listeners. But I am joined by Lori Lynn Barker. You may know her from the Let's Eat segment on the Michael Brown Show and also the Front Range Focus Show. Welcome to, welcome to the show. Hey, Christian. How are you doing this week? Good. I went on a movie binge this week. You did, apparently. I did, yes. We had four. I only got three. Uh-huh. <laughs> I got two of the four. So we will be discussing life, which I think we have a pretty big disagreement on, I think. We do have a disagreement on this one. Also, Chips, the R-rated Adventures of Ponch and John. And then, of course, Power Rangers. And then finally, if we get the time, to uh, talk about T2 train spotting. And I actually took a, had a chance to talk to some of the actors via a teleconference call. It's kind of like I reached out to the press and talk about the movie and uh, so if we don't even get to the review, I'm gonna, I want to talk a little bit about that because there was an, kind of an interesting revelation about that movie, how it came to be, and how it almost collapsed, really. So, but we'll get to that later on. But first, we'll talk about life, which, as I joked on Twitter, was kind of like methadone if you're waiting for Alien Covenant. <laughs> that's kind of, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, it's a space story. Of course, it's a bunch of astronauts in a space station, international space station. So it's kind of a, a diverse cast. And they have stumbled upon a soil sample from Mars. They intercepted it. They brought it on the sh- onto the station. They're examining it, and voila, they found life. But, of course, that single cell gets a little bit bigger as the movie progresses through a little bit of a glucose injection, and it gets rather angry. And, of course, if you've seen the trailer, you know that there are things are foot that might be quite dangerous, and maybe not everyone will survive this particular journey. That's true. Yeah. That's and very true. Very good cast. Ryan Reynolds, Rebecca Ferguson, who I love from, the uh, I think, the fifth Mission Impossible movie. Kind of a rising star, and also Jake Gyllenhaal. So. Jake Gyllenhaal, and that's what I was surprised about this movie. There was so many good actors in it, yes. and the movie I didn't particularly care for. Yeah, you know, I think this is really dangerous terrain. To me, Alien set the bar so incredibly high that anytime you have a spaceship or a space station and a monster, and things are you know running amok and people are dying, you can't help but compare it to that. And I think, in a way. I almost want to avoid that genre because it's been done so well. I think there are moments in life that I thought were, if not as good as Alien, at least had that that scare factor, that intrigue, that sense of claustrophobia that made the first Alien film so memorable. But I also that the movie had a case of the dumbs where it did. Oh, my goodness. How could you do that? How can you say that? So I want to on the positive side. I like the cast. I like the fact that there were some interesting changes to the alien creature it's not like the alien movie it's very different it's kind of jelly-like in a way at least at first i didn't find it particularly scary it was i did not i think that's the problem i had with the movie yeah is that it's kind of like a jellyfish butterfly fairy named Uh, calvin and i'm supposed to be afraid of calvin I wasn't afraid of Calvin. I was af- yeah, I was afraid of his power. He was very powerful. But I didn't get a sense of that, oh my goodness, I, I'm, I'm going to have nightmares about this right. creature for a week. Another thing I liked about the movie is that it, often these films are set in the future. This one is either in the present or near present, maybe near future, I guess, I guess you could say better, in that they actually communicate with people back on Earth. When they discover this life form, they're able to, through video technology, check in with some people, I guess it was on Times Square? Was that the sequence I'm yes. referring to? That's how they got the word Calvin. The right. Name that's, Calvin. That's where they named the creature. And I thought, wow, you know, you don't often see that. Often these movies are very sort of set in space. It's kind of taken away from Earth. We don't know what's happening back on our home planet. And I like that aspect of it to it. That, that was rather a good wrinkle to it. 
And plus the zero gravity. These characters are floating through the space station at all times. There's never a point where they're sort of locked in unless they're strapped in. So I thought that was kind of visually interesting. But and that's they, that's where my sort of my good vibes start to fade. <laughs> well, and they did bring in the storyline of the scientist mm-hmm. who was unable to walk on right. Earth, but in the space station he can. Right, and that particular uh, character, I didn't realize right away that he was uh, uh, that he was unable to walk. It was sort of a, a nice little kind of revelation as the story went on. But as I kind of hinted before. There are some dumb moments here in the screenplay. Yes. Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I was trying to jot down notes as I was watching the movie, and I think they said something like, uh, oh, I hate this creature so much, or we need to kill it. Like, yeah, I don't think yeah. you need to say that. So, Or the other big thing they said is close the door, close the hatch, <laughs> close the valve. They said that a lot. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of valves in the, sh- on the A lot of valves, station. and you couldn't understand. It's like, well, if you've got this valve closed, uh-huh. how come Calvin's here? And yes. I know that's part of the suspense. But, but still, still yeah. it was like, okay, and they, you could almost tell who was going to go next. Exactly. You know? Which is never a good sign. It's kind of like the red shirt in Star Trek. You know, <laughs> you're next, you're next, you're next. Yeah. But there the are first... some surprises in that yes. pecking order, I will say. There is. I, I did. That was very surprising, the first mm. one. But I didn't really care for the movie. I think it was very choppy. Mm-hmm. And they tried to move the story too fast. They would spend too much time, like, on... The character with the child. I, can't, mm-hmm. I don't know. He was an engineer, I believe. Right. And they spent way too much time on that. Oh, look, she's giving birth, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And I didn't care for that. I just did not care for the movie overall. Wow, okay. I had some problems with it as well. I think I liked it more than you. I, I love this genre. I love monsters and outer space and science fiction, even when it's done half-heartedly. I'm kind of, I'm on board. I'm okay with it. So uh, one of the other things that kind of surprised me about the film is the ending. And of course, we're not going to give it away. But it's an ending that felt very predictable. Yes, and also yes, felt it an did. obvious sort of sop to this franchise world we live in where, oh my goodness, they can make more and more of these movies. Now, any movie that's successful, they will make more and more of these right. movies. You don't need to set it up so baldly. But they do it here, and I, I thought there was very little payoff, frankly. Right, because they do this thing, then they do this other thing, and you uh-huh. think this is going to happen, and then you go, oh no, this is going to happen, no, this is going to happen, and then they end the movie. And I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know, really? Now, one pertinent bit of information is the box office so far, it was about $12 million. That is not good. No. That is not going to make a franchise. Now, if this movie does gangbusters overseas ticket sales, maybe they can be resuscitated. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't. I think there's other too many movies kind of floating around right now. The Fade the Furious is coming out in a few weeks, and uh, Ghost in the Shell comes out this weekend. So... I, I, I don't I don't think it's going to have like a legs or have that second wind that's going to need. What was it rated? Boy, it's got to be. Oh, that's a good question. You Probably know, I don't, R. I'm gonna, I'll double check it. It should be R just based on some of the violence. But it wasn't over the top. And also, I don't think the language was extraordinary. No. But uh, I think yeah. it was worse than some other movies I've seen this yeah. weekend. So, uh, so kind of surprising. Also, you know, they, one of the things that annoyed me about the film is they make a very big deal about how smart all the main characters are. Of course, they're astronauts, they're in space, they're no, they're no dummies. And even the, the Ferguson character talked about how I've got this plan B and I've got this plan C and we need to have it, thinking about every contingency. And then when all heck breaks loose, I feel like the brain power just went down dramatically. Yes, I mean, you just they can't were closing valves. Yes, all about the valves. <laughs> and so. running through hallways uh-huh. and tubes and stuff like that. Then yeah. they'd go outside and they'd open and close valves and... Yeah, it just didn't do it for me. Yeah, and another thing about this movie is that the 
You've got good actors here. You think, oh, you've got Gyllenhaal, you've got Ryan Reynolds, who's coming off of Deadpool. I think that might have been his last movie, last, certainly his last big movie that kind of revitalized his star status. It doesn't work in Hollywood It doesn't anymore. work for him. It didn't, doesn't bring in people. Didn't he have that movie that he was he was the only person there It was buried alive? Did that yeah, come that was out a few before years or ago. after Deadpool? That was before Deadpool, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it was a good movie and an interesting performance from him. Sure, he can deliver. Although I have to say his character in this movie is like his Twitter feed. It was all sort of jokes and yucks and sort of he's the cut up. And I think a movie like this needs that, and he's very good at it. But at the same time, I'm thinking, wow, he's really not ranging too far from And he kind of dumbed it down. Uh I was, I'm the son of a plumber. And you're like, oh, okay, we get it. And you're an astronaut now. Okay, we get it. And the people who wrote this film actually wrote Deadpool which, frankly, was much more clever. Oh, yes, it uh, by, was. By legions. So, I, yeah, I'm very surprised by that. I think this is just going to fade away. I don't think you're going to have a franchise here. And uh, I think, once again, it proves that star power doesn't exist like it used to. When I was a kid, if there was a Bruce Willis movie, heck, if Eddie Murphy came out with a golden child, which was mediocre to the core, right. we all went out and saw it. It was like right. what we did. It doesn't work that way anymore. It's fascinating. Do you think they're taking more roles just to keep out there? They're not being picky. You know, we talked mm-hmm. about Kevin Klein last week. Yeah. And he seems to have kind of faded away and then he came back and he just kind of picked his yeah. role. So he doesn't have to make the lives of the world. And You know, it's hard to say. I do think it's so competitive in Hollywood. If you are off the radar for a couple of years, people forget about you. There's always a younger more handsome, more beautiful actor or actress coming up the ranks who can take over your job or even people on TV who are making a name for themselves. And uh, so I, you have to wonder. I, I think it's, I think being an actor, I, mean, I spoke to uh, William H. Macy years ago and he told me, you know, he's a guy who works constantly. I love William H. Macy. Yeah, who doesn't love me? He's terrific. And he kind of said, you know what? I'm always basically biting my fingernails waiting for that next assignment. Like it's even for a guy like him with that track record, he doesn't know when his next gig's going to be there. So I think you have to take the work when you can, but I think it's also, you've got to do your due diligence and kind of pick better projects. I don't think life is it. So it's my, I didn't like, I didn't dislike it as much as you did. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, I was like, what am I seeing? Why did I do this? It's so, not that long of a movie. Either. No, yeah, it's not, not an epic. And it might do sure. well in DVD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure it'll do, you know, it's Ryan Reynolds. Everyone's like, oh, it's Deadpool. And I'm sure it'll definitely do well in DVD. Exactly. A quick rating. I, I, I imagine what you're saying. It's not going to be too positive. <laughs> One exploding rat. Oh, very nice. <laughs> I'm going to give it three rubber gloves. Frankly, the best scene in the movie, which is heavily teased in the trailer. But uh, Well, next up is Chips, a movie that I didn't see, but you did see. I did, I did. did find out a little bit about the backstory behind it, but let us talk more about that. Another movie that really underperformed at the box office, but uh, we will explore more and get your reaction at Mike Rosen at the Movies. Of course, it's on uh, KOA News Radio, 850 AM and 94.1 FM. All you need is popcorn, a box of raisinets, and a drink. This is Mike Rosen at the movies on KOA News Radio, 850 AM and 94.1 FM. And we are back with Mike Rosen at the movies. Christian Toto alongside Lori Lynn Barker just talked about life. We had a pretty, I guess, a bit of a split decision on that one. But this one's going to be a solo one, your job, because the movie is Chips, which is the reboot of the 1970s classic can we call it classic just because it's old i don't think it was ever a classic but i think it's a classic in the same vein like uh-huh. dallas is a classic okay or some of that real cheesy charlie's angels kind of a thing dukes okay. of hazard yeah we can you be know, that's what we grew time. up with <laughs> and that's what we you know that's what we watched yep and so i went and fell on the sword for this one and went and saw ships you did and i went because i'm a big dax shepherd fan mm-hmm. i don't know why i like him he was great in idiocracy he was great in Parenthood on NBC. So I'm like, you know, let's give him a chance. Okay. 
And this is his real baby. I think he wrote and directed it. He's the star here. Yes. He's playing John, Ponch and John. Of course, Michael Pena is playing Ponch here. Very good actor as well. Right. So all the things are kind of lined up to be the fit of a fun, carefree, buddy cop movie, buddy motorcycle cop movie. And with a little bit of sort of uh, love for the old TV show. So did it play out that way or was it not quite? No, not really. It started out where it was like the old chips. Mm -hmm. And then because... I think they thought that it had to be funny. So they started throwing in really raw humor, mm-hmm. boy humor. Some of it was funny, but once is enough. Yeah. You know, because there was one joke that they just keep going and going and going up to the very end. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, we get it. Did it involve the groin? <laughs> yes. the trailer, I saw the trailer and I just, I kind of, my, my jaw went slack. I'm like, this looks terrible. And they had a second trailer. I thought the second trailer was just as bad. Well, it's only an hour and 40 minutes. Okay. So, you know, once again, it might do well on DVD. Yeah. It just, it was good. Out of all the movies I saw, I'd probably say it was second. Okay. That sounds good. So, I, I, I liked it better than life. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what are you going to say? Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's Chips with Dak yeah. Shepard and Michael Pena. And then I always forget her name, the uh, woman Kristen that... Bell. No, no, the woman that was on Malcolm in the Middle that played... Oh, Jane Kaczmarek? Is that Jane Kasmerick on Malcolm in the Mom, right? Yeah. Yes. And she plays like the sergeant. Okay. And she was very funny, but she's not in it hardly. It was good. It's Uh chips. It's how they came about. You know, Michael, how Michael Pena's character, Ponch, came Mm -hmm. in and how Dak Shepard's character came in. I wasn't a big fan when it was on TV. Nor was I. I'm not in my sweet spot. Yeah. I was a little boy at the time and that should have been like in my wheelhouse. Right. I was watching Charlie's Angels and Fantasy Island and everything else. But for some reason, I never kind of plugged into that show. Yeah, it just it just didn't hit the mark. It yeah. wasn't as funny. There are a lot more movies out there that are funnier, gotcha. that are remakes. Mm-hmm. You know, I go back to Ghostbusters with the females. I thought that was actually very funny. A lot of people hated it. I uh-huh. thought it was funny. Judd Apatow, I think his movies are funny. Yeah, Trainwreck. I mean, he's got so many. Yeah. I think his 40-Year-Old Virgin it might be one of my favorite comedies of all time, if not really? my favorite. I love that movie. That got panned, though. Did it really? 40-year-old virgin. Oh, I'm thinking this is 40. Okay. Yeah, that one didn't get as good a notices. So. 40-year-old virgin. Mm. Come on. That's yeah. got some great lines. You know, <laughs> you look like the, a pumpkin. <laughs> the waxing scene alone is worth oh, the Oh, yes. The and then if you watch the the behind the scenes, how they did it, and oh, they held goodness. up words that, you know, Carell could say <laughs> and couldn't say as they were doing it to him. Uh-huh. But with Chips, it just didn't hit the mark. I like the fact that they did tell us the backstory, how Dax Shepard, mm-hmm. his name's John. Yep. Came about and how Ponch came in. Then, of course, there's all this corruption. They're fighting. And then it's just some of the jokes got old. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. The show itself was from the sort of the 70s era of television, which was pretty squeaky clean. Right. They couldn't get away with much of anything, frankly. And cable hadn't come around yet. So there wasn't any that, that tension between the two. Now you've got an R-rated movie. Does does that hurt the whole concept? That Were you okay with it? And what's your reaction that way? Because... It's a different tone dramatically. I think it did hurt it Uh because we were used to squeaky clean. And the worst thing that we had was a, like I call a porn stash. Uh I mean, that's the only bad thing. And in the movie, Ponch is a ladies man and he's out with everything. Uh And there's one scene in there that I kind of took offense to. He's with a different woman every night. And John goes to pick him up, opens up the door and this woman comes out and she's Mm. not attractive. Well, it becomes a whole running joke. Ah. And it's like, come on, guys, really? Yeah. We had to go there, you know? Well, it sounds like they were scraping the bottom of the barrel to begin with. And they, right. <laughs> they kept digging, apparently. Right. Uh-huh. A lot of nude scenes. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of nude scenes. Dax is nude. Yeah. Jane. Kesmeric. Yeah, she's nude. <laughs> everybody's, nude. everybody's nude in uh-huh. it. And I do have to admit, Jane has a really nice body for her age. Well, there you if go. that's her body, then she did very well. She's aging <laughs> very it. well. So I, that's where I got tired of like, okay, let's make fun of uh-huh. the groin area. Let's make fun of ugly women or let's make fun right. of or accept that Ponch is, you know, with a different woman every night. Right. And there's kind of that gay panic thing where they're kind of bumping yes. into each other a lot. Yes. At least I saw that in the trailer. So I just want to give a little background. I had read uh, Dax Shepard gave an interview about the creation of the movie. And he didn't seem too concerned about the whole this is R-rated and the, con- the, you know, the source material was not. He said that uh, he reached out to, I think, how is, um, hang on one second. I had the name, Rick Rosner, and he's the guy who created the show. Oh, okay. And Rick was a-okay with it. And ironically, both Eric Estrada, the, the, the show's main star, and Larry Wilcox were not. Now, Estrada has a cameo, and he showed up at the premiere. So I guess he was, <laughs> I guess he forgave some of the R-rated right. tendencies, but Larry Wilcox was not a fan of the whole concept, was left out of the reunion in a sense, and there's a whole backstory there too. But uh, I, you know, Jack Shepard said, well, I was okay with it because the show's creator gave it my blessing because he sent him the script and said, oh my goodness, it's so R-rated. I don't think this guy's going to like it. And the, the guy ended up kind of enjoying it. So I don't know. It just, it feels like they, they, they're going with the brand and the name recognition, which I understand from a Hollywood point of view, but... At some point, the DNA should be respected. And, and I know it's, listen, it's just chips. It's just it's a just silly chips. show. But I, I I wonder if the fact that it only made $7 million, maybe that's one of the reasons why. Like, hey, I love the show. I grew up with it. I was a kid when it was on. And now they made it this R-rated, raunchy affair. I, there's a disconnect there for me. Yeah, because if you look at the original series, it was more about the camaraderie between mm-hmm. the two. And they'd go out and they'd pull people over for not having a seatbelt yeah. or whatever they mm-hmm. would pull people over for. But there was always an underlying story. Like they pull over somebody without a seatbelt. There's a dead body in the car and, uh-huh. you know, fun prevails. This one, it was just you didn't have the camaraderie like they did yeah. in the original TV series. And that's what you want. That's the mm-hmm. main thing. So. And, and by, go ahead. And they didn't have Kristen Bell in it enough for me. Oh, okay. Because I like her. I do. I like, and she's married to Dick, Dick Shepard. Dick Shepard, you know, she's also mm. Elsa. Oh, and Frozen. Frozen, yeah. That's right. By the way, one of the things I noticed from the trailers is that Dax Shepard isn't working out. Guy's in very good shape. Oh, yes, he has been working out. And I always think it's funny when an actor is sort of behind the scenes in a power position, directing, writing, producing, and they happen to be in very good shape. And they happen to show that they're in very good shape very often. And I think that was one of the, even Sean Penn a couple of years ago was in The Gunman. And he might have, he might have had some sort of producing credit there. It's like, oh, the guy's in good shape. I'm like, oh yeah, we keep seeing it and we keep seeing it again. Right. And you're seeing a lot more of that. Uh An example I would bring up is the movie Thor. Mm -hmm. How many times did he rip off his shirt (laughs) or it was wet or he had no shirt or he was in the rain with no shirt? Mm -hmm. I think we're seeing more and more of that. Look at the last Logan. Hugh Jackman didn't Mm -hmm. wear a shirt a lot of times. Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds has been working out. Yeah. So I think you're seeing more and more people buffing up Uh and then taking off their shirts, which to me is fine. But yeah, (laughs) it's funny. If you go back to like a movie in the eighties or nineties, you don't see that the guys, the guys are just regular, have the regular build. And my wife and I are catching up with the last people on the planet who are not watching. This is us. But we watched the first episode and like the two of the main characters are really fit. I'm like, I towards my wife, like, honey, look at that. <laughs> we kind of talked about it. The dad, Milo, I can never remember his last oh, name. Oh, I can't. Yeah. I'm he was from Gilmore Girls. But the guy who plays Manny, the Manny. Yeah. I mean, but he's, at least his character is a very buff guy. Right. And then the, Randall's real buff. Yeah. And then, you know, dad's <laughs> real buff and everybody's taking off their shirts or wearing tight t-shirts. Yeah. And do you think that's because they're trying to get women to watch it? 
I think there's a pressure. I think if you're in the Hollywood ecosystem and you're a guy and there's going to be a shirtless scene, you darn well better bet in really good shape because you've got Ryan Reynolds, you've got all these other actors who are just buff. I mean, I, I you know, I think actresses have to stay super thin and I think that the guy actors have to be really fit. I well, don't think you can just have a, an average build anymore. Well, look at Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. You know, and he goes up and down yeah, too. yeah, but he's back to being yeah, buff. Exactly. I have I was I did not go see The Great Wall, uh-huh. so I don't know if he's buff in that one. But every time I see him in, <laughs> you know, award shows or whatever, he right. seems to be pretty buff. Interesting trend. So again, go back to those '80s movies. It's not what that was like exactly. back in the they day. They're kind so. of doughy, and they kept big clothes on. Gotcha. <laughs> well, another movie that's doing quite well at the box office. You is... want my review? Real oh quick? yes, yes. Go ahead. My review is Two Painkillers or okay. Bottles of Painkillers mm-hmm. out of four. Okay. We should go to five, so let's let's stretch okay, it. Okay, so. two to five. Two and a half. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, our next movie is Power Rangers. We will talk about it in the, during the next segment. And, of course, it's the children's TV show brought to the big screen. Another brand that doesn't quite look like you think it would look based on the uh, existing properties. But $40 million to the box office, pretty solid. Is that a franchise? We may have to wait a week or two and see those overseas box office ticket sales. But uh, we'll talk about that next. We are at Mike Rosen at the movies. And uh, look forward to hanging there. We'll talk to you soon. You're listening to Mike Rosen at the Movies on KOA News Radio, 8.50 a.m. and 94.1 FM. All right, welcome back to Mike Rosen at the Movies. Next up on the marquee is Power Rangers, of course, classic kids TV show. It's all brands this week. Actually, Life was not, but I don't think Life is going to be a brand no, after that uh, tepid box office reception. But, uh, of course, started in 1993 and has had a kind of a million different derivations since then there's been movies but this is really the big box office attempt to make this a franchise it's got big stars like brian cranston and elizabeth banks you've got a pretty good budget i think it was around 110 million so not not chump change this is some serious money behind it because they know that if this is successful they'll have something to try to get people back in theaters again and again i think there's even talk about five or seven movies at this point but we'll have to wait and see how those box office receipts roll in so far so good but we shall see. But you've seen it. Let's talk a little I, bit about it. And, uh, I fell on the sword, yeah. and I thought for sure you'd take it because you have boys. I had a screening conflict, I will say. That I was I was all set to see it, and life came around. I was like, oh, well. I would have I, seen I Power Rangers <laughs> over life if you wanted to know the truth. Uh-huh. I fell on the sword and saw this. Okay. I went to a Saturday morning viewing of this. Yikes. One of my friends felt sorry for me and mm. went with me. So mm. there's nothing creepy like two adults <laughs> walking in to a 10 o'clock Saturday morning viewing of Power Rangers. Now, did it really kind of hit with the demographic? Were there a lot of young people? There? A lot of young people. Okay, well, that's good then. A lot of young people. Mm. But another thing I saw were a lot of people in their 20s. Hmm. So, like you said, it was 1990. Yeah. So, of course, these people are coming to see it because that's their cartoon. Exactly. Or their live action animation. I actually enjoyed this movie. Ah. I will have to say, if you're taking a child, mm-hmm. it's fine because there's adult stuff in it. It's not horrible. I found when they made the morph into the Power Rangers is when it got bad. Mm-hmm. And that's towards the end of the movie. So you're not really taken back by it. I love Elizabeth Banks. Who doesn't love Elizabeth uh, Banks? That's right. right. Now she's Rita Repulsa, the main villain here. Right? She plays Rita the witch, mm. which I think, could we change the name? Not a lot of fear when they call her Rita. <laughs> the only thing I didn't like about her mm. is Rita. She was kind of stunted, kind of must have been her outfit or something because she uh, walked weird. But maybe okay. that's how she was supposed to walk. It was probably a purpose. But I think someone like her is such a she's such an elegant, natural presence. You don't want to kind of bring that in. Right. Mm. And then her evil 
demon thing that she summons from the earth is called Goldar. Uh-huh. Goldar reminded me of Zazobra, which is a Burning Man festival down in Santa Fe. <laughs> and so I kept looking at it and I kept expecting her to light it on fire uh-huh. <laughs> for him to growl more. I didn't take to Goldar. Okay. I think they should have changed the name, but they really can't. Yeah, there's certain things you can't tweak, but maybe there's a product placement for the Burning Man. That's true. Yeah, That's you never true. Got to got to get the money in somehow. I like the movie because some as somebody like me, uh-huh. I didn't know the story. I mm-hmm. would turn it on and why are there why is there this big thing with four or five Power Rangers in it and why is there an electric, you know, a um armored dinosaur? Mm-hmm. So I never knew the story. So the first three quarters of the movie is basically the story of the Power Rangers. Okay, so it's an origin film, really. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's about five kids that meet in detention. Kind of sounds a little familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and they go out to this quarry uh-huh. and they find these stones. Yeah. And they're all a different color. Well, they tell you how the stones got there and that's how Brian Cranston mm-hmm. shows up. Brian Cranston as an alien is probably one of the most interesting things I've ever seen on screen because <laughs> he's the first thing you see yeah. as the alien. And so these kids find the rocks and then they get the powers mm-hmm. and then they keep going around the quarry. And that's when um, Alpha, I believe, is the name of the robot, finds him, finds them, brings them to Brian Cranston's character. Gotcha. And then fun ensues, like you like to say. That's right. And, you know, you would think that an actor like Brian Cranston, who's very in demand right now and a brilliant actor, what is he doing in this kind of movie? But you know what? This is the coin of the realm in Hollywood. I mean, this could be very successful. I'm sure he was paid handsomely. And like the same with Elizabeth Banks, another in-demand star. You would think that you'd have a bunch of unknowns in these roles. But this is where Hollywood puts his emphasis, puts the big bucks. So this is not a throwaway franchise. This is really important. To right. The, uh, There's the an Easter ecosystem. egg at the end. Okay. So there will definitely be another uh-huh. one. Definitely be another one. You know, as reading about this, I heard there's two things of note. One is that there's the first, I guess, LBGT character like a superhero s character right and it sounds like it was rather delicately portrayed How right you... i didn't even know okay i mean i i guess we're seeing so much of that in movies right now that uh-huh. it's just kind of there yeah so you don't really go oh, what did she say mm-hmm. when she says it, you're like oh okay okay <laughs> <laughs> you know? and then you brought up the fact that one of the power rangers is supposed to be autistic mm-hmm. i didn't take him as autistic i took him more as just a nerd, hmm. somebody who had a little OCD yeah. that knew how to build things. I didn't take him as an autistic character. Interesting. So he could be on the aut- autism spectrum, I guess you could say. Right. Where maybe he has Asperger's or something. But again, that's the kind of storyline that the media likes to kind of jump on and amplify. So much like Beauty and the Beast, the gay character wasn't exactly traipsing across the screen. It was more of a sort of a part of the story and not a big to do. So I think that's I, I think sometimes the the press magnifies things sometimes. Right. I think they look for things. Yeah. I think they definitely look for things. It's a hook for, for sure. Things. And in Power Rangers, mm-hmm. they explain how they get their colors, who's the leader, mm-hmm. and they explain the, elect- you know, the armored dinosaurs uh-huh. and the big transformer thing with the five. I never knew <laughs> what that was. And so the, I finally got my answer out of this. I think it's adult enough that people who take their children would enjoy it. Okay. Now, flash forward two years as someone who didn't know the property. My, uh, the Power Rangers 2 comes out, theoretically. Are you going to go? Probably. Okay. Probably. Or I'll rent it. Yeah. You know, it's one of those, oh, look, it's on Netflix. Let's uh-huh. watch it. And nobody <laughs> will ever know. Nobody will ever know. <laughs> well, in Power Rangers, they also showed the trailer for the new 
Transformers. Oh, okay. I have never been able to stay awake during (laughs) any of them, so I have no idea. Uh And they did give love to Transformers and Power Rangers. Very nice. There's a little love right there. Yeah. It's all about the marketing. It's all about the brands. It's all about sort of getting these different uh, properties together. And uh, I think they may have a new one here for the big screen. So uh, on our next segment, our last segment, we want to talk about T2 Train Spotting, which is a very belated sequel. But, you know, it's not a typical sequel because this is director Danny Boyle, who doesn't do a lot of trash. He's a very high-quality filmmaker. He's won an Oscar for Slumdog Millionaire. But this was a project that had some sort of creative pain. So I want to talk a little bit about that and uh, sort of the process behind the movie and also whether this was really necessary because I think at the end of the day, a movie like this isn't exactly the cash grab. It's already made, it hasn't even made a million dollars in the U.S. and it's only on uh, a handful of uh, movie screens, including a few in Denver. But uh, we're going to talk about that next and also why the first attempt at this movie was a colossal failure. Um, Lori Lane will be back with me, Christian Toto, Mike Rosen at the movies. We are on KOA News Radio, 850 AM and 94.1 FM. Now with extra butter, it's Mike Rosen at the movies on KOA News Radio, 850 AM and 94.1 FM. And we are back with Mike Rosen at the movies. Christian Toto, Lori Lynn Barker. And before we get to our next film, you uh, didn't, I didn't give you a chance to review officially Power Rangers. How many, how many, uh, what kind of rating would you give it? Yes. What creative thing can I think of to rate this movie? Mm -hmm. I was fascinated with Goldar for some reason. So I'm going to give it two and a half Goldars out of four or five. What do we do? Four or five out of five, two Mm -hmm. and a half out of five. That's a respectable score. And you can go with your children. Gotcha. That's a good thing too, by the way. Right. Because you need movies like that. Yeah, and also, I think this is the kind of movie they're going to really push to the to the young crowd. And sometimes they do that, and some of the material is a little bit inappropriate, or some of those superhero films get a little bit sort of extra PG thirteen, if you know what I mean. So yeah, there's there's not any of that in uh-huh. there. Oh, great. There's nothing like that. And in lots there. of teen angst as well, right? I imagine. a lot of teen angst. <laughs> like it was like the Breakfast Club, but they were uh-huh. Power Rangers, basically. <laughs> you know, so. Well, that would be the elevator pitch for the movies. So. Exactly. Gotcha. And before we get to Chi 2 Train Spotting, I want to mention real briefly, if you want to join the Mike Rosen Movie Club and you know, chime in, give your reviews, win some prizes, just call this number, 303-713-8383. Leave your contact information. We will get back to you. And then once a week, you will get an email from me saying, hey, we're going to review X movie and Y movie and Z movie. If you've seen us, let us know. We'll make an appointment. We'll talk to you. You'll give us your review. And then, of course, you'll win tickets to both the C Film Center on Colfax and the Alamo Drafthouse Cinema. Two great places to catch movies. So do that. Join the club. No special uh, loyalty pledge or any sort of fee. It's no all card. free. No card. No handshake. <laughs> but the other perk to it is that from time to time, I get to see, actually, I see movies every week as part of being a film critic. And I often have an extra seat next to me, my wife. My wife is not a big movie fan. Sometimes my kids are too young to see the movie, movies in question. So if you'd like to join me, just let me know. And I will send out an email as well, maybe once or maybe once every other week, saying, hey, I'm seeing this movie. If you'd like to join me, just buzz in first. Whoever does, they get a chance to see the movie. So those are press screenings. They are before the movies come out. They are free. And once in a while, I get free popcorn, but mostly it's just a chance to see a movie before anyone else gets to see it. A lot of good movies coming out. Yeah, this is really, I'd say the summer movie season this year is kind of creeping up on us. I mean, right. we've got The Fate of the Furious next month. We've got uh, Life is kind of a summer movie. Guardians of the Galaxy yeah, part, part Two. Volume Two. <laughs> <laughs> volume Two. I That's right. love that movie. That yeah. is one of my, I would put that up in one of my top 10 movies. Wow. Okay. Yes. That's how much I love Guardians of the Galaxy. And my six year old loves to say, I am Groot. I am Groot. Over and over. Again, so oh, good. <laughs> I may have to kind of wave the PG-13 rating and take him to see that. We'll see. That, 
I may be a bad father for that, but <laughs> I want to talk briefly about T2 Train Spotting. This is a movie that's literally 20 years in the making. Of course, Train Spotting was from 1996. It was a huge hit from a pop culture point of view. I don't think it made zillions of dollars, but uh, the story of these heroin junkies in Edinburgh, it just kind of captured something about the culture at the time. Of course, Ewan McGregor wasn't a big star at the point. He is, certainly is one now. He is back. The rest of the gang are back. And I got a chance, to, like I said, mentioned earlier, to, to do a telephone press conference with the director, Danny Boyle, and the stars. And what I didn't realize is that they attempted this 10 years ago. Irvine Welsh wrote the original Train Spotting book. He wrote a sequel, and they said, hey, maybe we should make a 10 years later sequel to this project. Well, they worked on it, and it just didn't connect. I think not enough time had passed. There wasn't any sort of dramatic change in these characters' lives. So it all basically collapsed. And I, I think even the director said, I didn't even push the script to the actors. I didn't even go that far. But now it's 20 years later. And I have to say, Ewan McGregor is 45. He looks like he's 35. He's, oh, the, we he's love a Ian handsome McGregor. man who's defying age, of course. And you could say that for Johnny Lee Miller as well, a co-star here. But I walked into the film with sort of the movie back in my memory banks, but I didn't really have a sort of an affection for it like other people do. And while I enjoyed T2, it didn't have that, oh, my goodness, I can't believe they made it or thank goodness they made it or this was the reason they made it. It was kind of just an odd but pleasant nostalgia trip with these characters who were extremely flawed. They get back together again. There's lots of grudges because Mark Renton, the, the, Ewan, the uh, Ewan McGregor character, took some money at the end of the first film. Now they're kind of mad that he didn't exactly give it back to them. So lots of uh, tension between the main characters. One is still struggling to stay clean. So go see it. If you love the first film, the, the soundtrack is excellent. Once again, there are echoes of the first film, new artists as well. But I just walked out thinking it didn't need to be made. And I think that's a bit of a shame given all the talent involved. What do you rate it? Um, you know, I'm going to give it three and a half because it was entertaining at a five. I'm going to give it three and a half toilets because there's a scene in this particular film that kind of echoes back to that epically gross moment from Trainspotting. Well, it's, it kind of reminds me of Boondock Saints. Mm -hmm. Remember, the first one was excellent. Yep. And then there was all that bad, 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 bad. They even uh -huh. made a documentary. Remember yes, the documentary right. on the making of Boondock Saints 2? They finally released Boondock Saints 2, and it just tanked. Yeah. Just absolutely tanked. And there's still talk, or at least whispers, at least from the creative, the the director and the, the sort of the force behind that franchise is escaping right now. He's a really odd, colorful character, but he's always talking about a third installment. But I don't sense his enthusiasm. Yeah, I think I that film either. has a fan base, but... It could be pretty small. So maybe you can like Kickstarter it and see what happens from there. But, uh, well, of course, those are the films this week. Now, this is a good week for us. We had four films we could talk about. We'll right. probably reduce that number in half next week. Because <laughs> there's Mike, not a lot coming out next week. That's right. Week. When Mike Rosen returns, we're going to be talking about The Zookeeper's Wife with Jessica Chastain. Kind of a more serious movie for this time of the year as we kind of edge into the sort of popcorn blockbuster season. And also Ghost in the Shell, which is based on a very famous Japanese manga starring Scarlett Johansson. Whitewashing. It's a Japanese character. <laughs> well, They've Scarlett done it Johansson again. too. That's right. But uh, of course, she's a big superstar. So that one's good. We may not get a chance to talk about this, but The Boss Baby comes out this weekend. I got to say, the reviews have been not so kind. I had a huge uh, kick out of this film. Oh, this you did see Alec it. Alec Baldwin uh -huh. playing a baby. And the explanation why this baby can walk and talk and sound like Alec Baldwin is bizarre. But it's actually got a kind of a kernel of truth to it where it's an older child who has a new baby in his life. And all of a sudden... He used to get all of mommy and daddy's attention. Now the boss baby gets it. 
It's a very clever spin on sort of being a, a second, uh, first child. And don't they make a lot of jokes based on Glenn Carey, Glenn Ross? There's at least one in there, which oh, okay. is absolutely spectacular. But, uh, you know, Alec Baldwin seems like a bit of a, uh, uh, <laughs> a character off screen. I'll put it that way. He's very funny in this movie. I mean, obviously, it's just his voice, but he's just terrific in it. So. Yeah, he's kind of having a resurgence right now. Absolutely. With the Trump impersonation, he's doing Match Game. Yeah. But, you know, match he, Game. <laughs> you know, you talk about sort of the handsome young leading man and getting fit and buff and stuff like that. Here's a guy who, as he entered his 50s, really kind of rearranged his career, did a lot of SNL, did a lot of comedy roles, supporting roles. Dirty Rock. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, here's a guy who could have maybe suffered or stumbled professionally, but I think he found a new niche for himself, which is working out beautifully. He's a very talented guy. One of the things I did this weekend mm-hmm. was I binge-watched Grace and Frankie. Ah, okay. And I would suggest watching it, but I think mm-hmm. it's more of a female thing. I don't know if somebody like you, mm-hmm. have you seen the first two seasons? I watched the first two or three episodes, and I have to say I didn't love it, even though I really admire uh, Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, for that matter. But is this the kind of show you think it's getting better? It's kind of finding its legs, so to speak? Yes. it's it, The third season is great because okay. it's basically two women in their 70s who are reinventing themselves and uh-huh. having a new career and everything going on around them. See, I like that. What I didn't like was the first season when they were kind of leaving their husbands and then the husbands were having an affair with each other. It seemed kind of, it seems sitcoming in a bad way. So I, I didn't kind of connect with that. But, you know, sometimes a show needs some time to really find itself in a way. And the great thing about cable and streaming now is that they get that chance. I mean, if you've got a project with those two stars, you're not going to get canceled after week two. You're not going to get canceled because the ratings are low. And plus, it's Netflix. We don't even know the ratings of it. Right, so, right. I'm sure that there are Netflix techs who understand what's going on and what's getting all the streams. But overall, the show, the, the channel has been very patient with its product and saying, hey, we will let these artists tell their stories. We don't want to, I guess we don't want to anger Miss Fonda or Miss Tomlin, but uh, it sounds like it's working out properly. So, well, and they're doing a lot of Marvel, yes, series on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I watched Iron Fist. You have? Oh. I have not. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's I too need bad to this give... is radio. That look needed to be captured. <laughs> I need to give it uh, some more time. Oh. Jessica Jones was awesome. Yeah, Daredevil. I, I loved. I loved Daredevil. Mm-hmm. I'm. I haven't watched Lucas Cage yet. I watched about six episodes, and then, then I kind of I kind of stepped away. It, it didn't quite get there. So. You'll see all those characters next year, next year in the Defenders. I, think, I believe so. Yeah. So we'll look forward to that soon. But uh, well, we are out of time. Thank you, Lori Lynn Barker, for oh, filling thank in you. so capably. I'm glad you're a pop culture junkie like <laughs> I am. You. Mike Rosen, of course, will be back next week to comment through the show again. This is Mike Rosen at the Movies on KOA News Radio, 850 AM and 941 FM.